Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Well, good morning. Um, I love this, this um, kind of in-between Sunday. It's, it's uh, an opportunity just to kind of reflect I don't know if part of your New Year's, between Christmas and New Year's, is a time to look back over the year and give thanks. Maybe you did that at Thanksgiving, and, and uh, maybe this is a, a year where you, or a time of the year where you kind of look forward to what's coming next. Um, but I love this season because it gives, it, slowed, it slows down a little bit. A lot of businesses are closed between Christmas and New Year's, and maybe you've had a chance with family, with friends, to kind of get out of the rhythm, out of the routine a little bit. Uh, if you're at all like me, you really like the rhythm, you like the, 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 the pace, uh, but at the same time, I really enjoy this time just to kind of dial, dial the intensity back a little bit and, and be present uh, as much as I can and, and reflect on, on kind of this turn of the year. And one of the, whether it shows up in New Year's resolutions or shows up in in commitments of one kind or another that you want to want to make going into the into the new year, um, one of the things that I think probably is worth remembering is that the point of Christmas, the point of incarnation, is not that Jesus came to be with us back in the day, but that Jesus has come to be with us in the here and now. Uh, and, and this is, is critically important for us uh, in, in this sense. The only time, the only life in which you will ever meet God is your life right now. I think sometimes we think, you know, when we get to some place, then we'll have a moment, right? But let me say it again. The only life and the only time in which you will ever meet God is your life right now. There is no future in God. There is no past in God. There's just now. So if we don't, and, and this has been part of our conversation over the last several years of the garden, if we don't show up in our lives, if we are, if we are not present in our own lives, then we miss the opportunity to meet with God because he is Incarnation means he is with us. He is for us. Um, anybody else, though, find it difficult sometimes to show up in your own life? Right? It's hard to be where you are. We, we have an aspirational sense of the future or a regretful sense of the past. Uh, Jude and I, this past um, a uh, couple of days, uh, just, you know, thinking about our future and wanting at some point to buy a house again and uh, I, I found myself just kind of overwhelmed almost with regret at a decision we made in 2007 to sell a house that we had, that really was our home. And it was, and it, we, we all, at the time it made good sense and we were going to leverage this into a new and so on and so forth. And then the, and then it just didn't happen. And here we are uh, thinking about, well, what would it look like for us to get back into the housing market again? And as you, prices haven't gone down since 2007, 2006, right? 
And it's like, oh, man, I'm going to, is this even, and, and then, you know, we're talking with our kids about, uh, about their, their future over, you know, we've got, I've got three boys, and are they ever going to be able to own a piece of the American dream? And then it occurred to me, well, why does that even really, at the end of the day, matter? I mean, I, th- I don't think it's irresponsible to want to have a, a home and raise kids and so on. So I get that. But at the end of the day, is it possible that we can be distracted? My, I, I can be distracted from the things that really matter by this, this, this ephemeral, out there, I'll be happy when moment. Right? Or... Or, shamed by a decision I made with best of intentions, the best decision at the time seemed to us to be X, right? And, and, and getting now regretful and kind of kicking myself around the block for a decision that I made. Man, maybe we could have stretched and pulled. And Anybody else feel the tension between the now and the, uh, the, the, the not yet and the used to be, Right? And, and, and so here we are in this in-between Sunday. Uh, and I've been drawn to a text that we've spent some time on before um, uh, to, to consider what it means to learn how to tell time. To learn how to tell time. And it's a text, that you, as soon as we begin it, you'll be familiar with it. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, how to, how to be, pay attention, how to be present with God who is present with us. Verse 15, Paul writes to his friends and he says, look, be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing. Make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a a challenging text for me, not because I struggle with what it means. This is one of those ones that's challenging because I think I know what it means. Any, anybody else? You've, sometimes I struggle with texts of Scripture because I'm not sure what they're really talking about. Uh, but the ones that really are troublesome to me are the ones that, oh, yeah, I kind of know what's going on here, and I don't like it either. You, you, know, you know, and this is one of those. Paul is saying, look, you, you, you kind of stand like the Robert Frost poem at, the, at, the, at, the, at a trailhead, and there's two diverging ways that you can live, Right? Uh, and, 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 and by the time you get to the end of either way, it's too late to decide which way you want to go because you will have already been where you are. It, you notice that, right? Wherever you go, that's where you are, right? And, and, and so he says, make the decision at the trailhead. Make a decision at the beginning of, you're, you're, because the truth is, 
as you as you as you stand here at this place, you can't tell with certainty where each of the paths lay. So choose a path of wisdom, not foolishness, at the beginning, because as the trail goes on, one thing leads to another. And you get to decide along the way whether it's one blessed thing or one damn thing after another. You get to choose because life is going to unfold pretty much as it has always unfolded a day at a time, a minute at a time. There's not a whole lot that you can do about that. It's just going to unfold. So he says to us, be very careful then. Pay attention to how you live. Careful here is not... He's not saying be anxious. He's saying be careful. Attend to your life. It's meaningful. It's valuable. It's significant because you are. You don't bring life. Your life doesn't bring you meaning. You bring meaning to your life. You're the eternal one. Do do, do you see what I mean? You're the one that is immortal. You're the one that will never die 10,000 years from now. We've said this over and over again, but I think it's important for us to remember there is a trajectory that we go on. C.S. Lewis said if 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 we could see the person sitting beside us 10,000 years from now, we would be sorely tempted to bow down and worship at the glory that is being revealed by the trajectory of the decisions of wisdom they make. You see? So he says, be careful. Not, not be anxious. Don't, don't be, don't be uh, afraid of your life. This is where I find myself getting stuck sometimes. You know, as I think of the, the next stages of our journey, there's a certain amount of anxiety. I don't know if, if any of you have been watching your retirement income. Most of you are too young to know, to, to be concerned about that. But here I am at 64, and I, and I watched a, a, a tenth of my retirement income disappear in the last two months with the stock market journey that it's been on. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, what's that about? You know, is my sec- and, and here's Jesus whispering to me, is, is your security in TIAA, CREF, not, T- not CREF anymore, TIAA, or is your security in me? Why do you trust in them more than you trust in me? That's a really annoying question, Jesus, <laughs> that I'd prefer you not to get around to if you don't mind, right? So he's, he's not saying be anxious about your living, but be careful. Be thoughtful, be reflective, be focused. Because the decisions you make, the, the life you live actually does matter. And you get to choose between wisdom and foolishness. Living under the way of God and the kingdom of God or living as if there is no God. And those are the terms. He says, don't be fools, don't be foolish, be wise. And he's using here, fool here, not in a derogatory sense, but in, a, in, a, in, its, in its technical sense. Remember in the scripture, the fool is the person who lives as if there is no God. Psalm 14. They're very clever fools in our world. Very intelligent fools. Some PhD fools in our world. Who live as if there is no God. Right? Don't be, he says, don't be foolish. Don't be like that. You are not a material being having occasional spiritual experiences. 
So don't live that way. You are instead a spiritual being having a momentary material experience. That's why Jesus said, let's be clear on this. If you focus your heart, your mind, your attention on earth where moths and rust and thieves occur, don't be surprised if at the end of the day you have nothing but a pile of dust. Instead, focus your mind on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All of this other stuff, the material world is dependent on the spiritual world. This is hard for us because we're used to thinking solid things are real. They're not. This is nothing more than a word of God spoken. The planet on which we Sit is nothing more nor less than a word of love spoken. It finds its reality in God, who is ultimately the only reality. And Jesus is saying to us, look, pay attention to that core reality. And all of these other material things, I'll be taken care of. So don't live as if there are, is no God. Don't live as fools. Don't be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. And here he's not saying, understand what God wants you to do specifically today. Because all of you in here, I think if you've been attending the garden for any more than about 10 or 15 minutes, you already know what God's will for your life is. It's that you become fully yourself. That you deal death to the tiny little ego self, the flesh, if you will. I'm using technical language, but you all know what I mean, right? Or if you feel more comfortable, I'll use the the language we usually use, that you become more like Christ. Because again, I'm convinced the more like Christ you become, the more fully yourself you become. So all God wants for you is you. That's all. The only gift he wants from you is not anything you bring. It's you, your life. So he partners with you to give you your life. What is his will for you? That you be fully yourself. That's why sin matters, by the way. Because sin are ways of chosen self-destruction. When we sin, we fall short of the glory of God that is you. Do you see what he's after here? So understand that the Lord's will really actually actualizes in each day's step. And he says, all of this is really, really challenging. All of this is really important for you because the days you live in are evil. Evil. And this is a hard word for us. Um, He's not just talking about spiritual warfare kinds of evil that exists, but that's not his primary concern. His primary concern is that the days we live in are chaotic and confusing and distracting and terrifying. The wheels are starting to come off. Anybody else noticed? It feels like, doesn't it feel? Feel in some way, and whether feeling is a, is a predictor of reality or not is largely irrelevant, 
because reality is to the perceiver what she or he perceives it to be. We act out of our perception, and we perceive things starting to fail at the center, right? And, and, and whether it's in the political world that we live in or in the social media world that we live in or the entertainment world that we live in, the, 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 the enemy's primary strategy formed against us is, is, is terror, is fear. He says the days you live in are fearsome days. They're evil days. So you need to learn how to tell time. You need, to, you need to recognize how to tell time. So he says, make the most of every opportunity. And here, pardon me for just a minute. Again, you've heard some of this before, but others of you perhaps not. He's using two different um, uh, ways of thinking about time here. And the two Greek words. Uh, one is chronos which refer, familiar with it, chronology, chronograph, it just refers to the sequence of, of minutes, one minute after another. It clicks along at about, oh, 60 beats a second, 60 beats a minute, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. It just goes. Do, do you know? It, it feels like the older you get, it, that it's moving faster. Right? I mean, I, I was writing in my journal this morning, and I was real, reflecting back, wait a minute, there's only a couple of days left, and... In 2018, I remember 2017 like it was yesterday, you know? And, and part of that is the older you get, the faster it goes. It's like the, the toilet paper on the roll. The, you know, it just... So let just sit with that image for a minute. Um, so it's, or, or, or whatever. Um, so so it, the, the, the older you get, the, the faster it goes. It just clicks along. But the fact is, it's not moving any faster. It's a matter of our, our perception. That's chronos. But then he says, for those who are paying attention, there is kairos, where eternity breaks in. Where we become aware that in every chronological minute, if we are present in it, if we get below the surface of it, there, in that moment, heaven is crashing in. And we can have a, 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 a moment of awareness that God is, in fact, with us. This is what the incarnation is about, that he, has, he is with us, he is for us. And he invites us to learn how to tell time with the awareness of eternity. Take advantage, he says, of every opportunity, because the days you're in, are evil, and if you don't learn as God's people, as, as if we don't learn as God's people how to tell time, who is going to help the world that we live in? Who's going to help? We're the ones who are sent to help them become and become aware of the recognition of God's presence with them in the moments. Because I'm convinced that the world that we're living in going through a major social upheaval as we move from industrial to post, very similar to what happened when we moved from hunter-gatherer to industrial, and now moving from industrial to post-industrial. This is a whole different world that we're living in. Everything goes back to zero. And a lot of the things, you know, we talk about modernism and postmodernism as, 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 as transitional periods of time. 
and and we need we need to help folks understand that the chaos they're confusing is very real, and there is a solution. Learn how to tell time. Learn how to tell time. Now this is this is a challenge for us uh, because he's 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 inviting us into this awareness in these deeply confusing, disturbing, disappointing, painful maybe. Uh, 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 seasons that we have to understand that the way of the Lord, the will of the Lord, revealed in Jesus, is the way of love. The way of love is the will of the Lord. So the will, understand what the will of the Lord is involves you becoming fully yourself. Guess how he's drawing you to that outcome. So the way of the Lord, the will of the Lord, as we move forward in this sequence of time, is to let increasingly love shape our way of being in time. Does that make sense? Because there are a lot of other things that would shape our way of being in time. Would that be fair to say? And the more fearful you are, the less loving you are likely to be. The days you are in are fearsome days. Guess what's in short supply in our world today? It's not fear. It's love that drives out fear. So guess who are the ambassadors of love sent into a fear-soaked world to push back the darkness and the terror of fear? We pray in Long Beach as in heaven. That's what we're praying. We want to be the ambassadors of love, of life, of joy in the face of, a, of an evil, dark, difficult, disappointing, frustrated world. And it's not because we're not touched by those things. Everybody in this room has had or will have massive disappointments in your life. The will of the Lord does not preclude you from that. Being in the center of God's will may end you up on a cross as it did Jesus. You you with me? The difference is not what happens. The difference is how you respond to what happens. Because you're going to have the same disappointments that the people you work with have. You're going to have the same kids that go sideways. You're going to have the same uh, uh, marriages that, that, that struggle. You're going to have the same disappointments in, 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 as, you go, as you go along, right? As everybody else does. Are you going to learn how to tell time or not? Are you going to be the slave of one minute after another? Or are you going to become the victor over time as the one you follow became victor over the time? Learn what the will of the Lord is. Love is the way time gets redeemed from the inside out. Learn how to tell time. Make the most of every opportunity. Know that God is present and working towards good. That's the nature of love, this magnetic pull towards good. And sometimes, frankly, it's a matter of faith, isn't it? Because we certainly don't see it that way. It feels sometimes... Like God's gone on vacation. If not, if not universally, sometimes personally. Would that be fair? It's like, w- w- what's going on? 
So we stand in a certain kind of reality. We have learned how to tell time in time. We know that God is at work in all things. That love is redeeming all things. This is over and over and over again in the scripture. So we want to live in such a way that makes Jesus proud of us. That he identifies with us as he did the people in the Old Testament. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm the God of those people. I want to be identified by how they live in your thinking. This is challenging for us. Uh, you know, we just finished the, the, the semester at the school that I teach at. And um, always within the last three or four weeks of semester... Uh, dealing with my, my, my undergrad students, uh, inevitably at prayer time at the beginning of class, somebody will put up their hand and say, can you please pray for my time management skills? This is usually at the end of semester. It would have been helpful to <laughs> focus on this earlier. It may be a problem. And, and my response is always, in response to that, would you pray with me for time management skills? So my answer is always the same. No. I won't pray with you for your time management skills. Why? Because you can't manage time. It clicks along at about 60 beats a minute, no matter how you manage. It doesn't take supervision well. It just goes, right? What I will pray is that you learn how to manage yourself in time. That's what we're really after. That's what Paul's saying. Take advantage. Pay attention. Be present where you are. Eternity is breaking in. Are you going to be there when it does? Will you notice when it does? And unfortunately, a lot of times, especially those of us, as I was trained in a classical Pentecostal charismatic tradition, eternity breaking through meant some extraordinary thing. Things glowing. Or shining. Or bright. Or Bubbly. Do do you know? Anybody else? You recognize? That's what I'm looking for. I want that sense of God's presence all the time. No, actually, you don't. Right? Because he wants to train us to pay attention to his presence in the ordinary, the everyday, the mundane, the routine. And when you do that, by the way, side benefit, your life will never nor will you ever be boring. Boredom is not a condition of not adequate external stimulus. Boredom is a condition of the human soul from the inside. So he gives us a strategy on how to do this. He says, first of all, verse 18, don't get drunk with wine. That's going to end you up in the ditch of your own life. Apparently, in the first century, people distracted themselves from the pain of their real lives by alcohol. I don't know if that's a problem anymore. (laughs) We found other ways as well, haven't we? Whether it's alcohol or drugs or Netflix, we find ways of disappearing from engagement in our own lives. I am convinced as, as, as a primary carrier of this that one of the besetting sins 
of our culture is sloth. Sloth, by its very nature, and this is me, is not about laziness per se. It's about being distracted from the right thing by the next to the right thing. Slothful people tend to be very busy people doing things except the one thing. Do, 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 do you know? And this is, this is I, I think this is our postmodern culture. This FOMO is driving us crazy. Where we're convinced, based on their Instagram feed, that somebody had a better lunch yesterday than I did. How can that be? We live life by comparison. So what is it that is, that is leading you to distraction? Don't, don't distract yourself from your show up in your own life. Be there. And here's how he says to do it. Because we, we're not called to escapism. That's, by the way, one of the real, real temptations in our culture. I think sometimes, and while I'm at this, I don't know where this is coming from, but I need to say this. Some of you might be being called by God to a life of retreat for the sake of the world. Like a monastic almost movement where people are invited away from the, the culture like the desert fathers and mothers for the sake of the world. But you have to have a call for that. You have to have a call for that. Most of the rest of us are called to be on the front lines where the kingdom collides with the other kingdoms. Right? So, so, so we're not called to escapism. We're called to be in the world, not of it. Otherwise, we're not useful for it. That's why holiness matters. Holiness is a matter of usefulness. If the salt has lost its savor, if the light is hidden under a bushel, they're, they're useless for their intended purpose. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Yeah? So, so holiness, this, this, this being in the world but not of the world, not depending on the broken systems created by broken people, we, we are to be uh, filled then, and, and the, then the verb here is an ongoing one, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is his strategy for learning how to tell time, be being filled with the Spirit. On a regular basis, this is why our Bible reading programs is whether you use ours or some variation on the theme or why your regular rhythms of devotion or why Sabbathing or all of the things that we've been talking about over the last year, why they're so important. There are ways in which we bring ourselves regularly before God and be being filled on an ongoing basis with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because once is not enough. The Holy Spirit is the air we're built to breathe. Genesis chapter 2 makes this clear. You are a lively pile of dirt into whose lungs the breath of God has been breathed. That's when you are most fully alive. That's when you learn how to tell time. So be being filled with the Spirit. We could play with this. Just take a deep breath. Let's just hold it for a minute. You know what you're doing. Every breath in 
is followed by a breath out. Be being filled with the Spirit, not for the sake of holding him in you, but for the sake of his enlivening you. Breathing in and breathing out the life from above. That's what he's talking about. Be being filled with the Spirit. Here's a strategy, he says, for accomplishing that. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Wait a minute. How did this get in here? This is how you are being filled with the Spirit. When you gather together in communion. And he's not talking about quoting hymn lyrics to one another in our normal conversation. But he is saying, let your conversation be influenced by the songs, by the works of the Spirit, by spiritual songs, by the worship that you have have been shaped in uh, as you have gathered in community. Something's going to shape your way of thinking, right? If you binge watch Netflix, don't be surprised if what shapes your thinking is influenced by that. You with me? Rather than, he says, let, let your way of thinking, your way of orienting yourself, your way of being present in the moment be shaped by your worship. Frankly, it's a whole lot easier for me to memorize stuff if there's a, a melody attached. Right? If, 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 and and when, when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm praying for people and whatnot, very often a hymn tune that I learned when I was 12 or 13 or 14 is what comes to mind. Right? That's one of the reasons why, by the way, the Bible tells us we ought to support the people who lead us in worship, who write the songs, who create the spaces for us to get that word down into our hearts so that it has some... Because there's a time when you will wake up in the middle of the night and your cell phone battery will have died and you won't have access to version on your phone. Where, where are you, who are you going to call? Do you see what I'm after here? So speak to yourself. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But then he goes on and says, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. That's the speed bump in this passage for me. When he writes it in Colossians, he says, in everything. Okay, I can do that. Even in hard times, challenging, difficult circumstances, even in those things, I can give thanks. But here he ups the ante. No, I want you to start to become the kinds of people who can give thanks to God for everything. Not just in every and 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 candidly, no shame here, because a lot of us are struggling, right? Would that be fair to say? A lot of us are struggling with the everything right now. And to give thanks for that seems to us to be hypocritical. That's, I get it. But take a half a step forward and at least begin to give thanks in this everything. Why? Because you're not smart enough to know what this everything means. Sorry, that's not an insult. It's a truth. I'm 64 years old. 
I can look back at my life and I can tell you how I got here by, 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 by the path, right? But if I said to my 24-year-old self, map out the next 40 years with precision, would I have had a clue the decisions to make along the way that would have gotten me to where I am here and now? Anybody else like that? I can see how I got here, but back there, the decision to go to this school or that school, the decision to live in this city or that city, the decision to befriend this person or that person, the decision to marry that person versus that person or not another person, has produced an outcome, has produced a life. You make your decisions, you make your choices, then you get your outcomes. You don't get the outcome as a guarantee. You get the outcome as a consequence, as an an outcome. You're not smart enough here in the now to know where you're going. Am I making any sense here? It's like you're sitting here and you're saying, uh, and and, uh, anybody else glad that some of the no's of yesterday were no oh man am I glad that prayer wasn't answered you know she said no thank God I got laid off thank God that diagnosis painful difficult heartbreaking changed my life you're not smart enough to know in the moment What in heaven's name is going on? But I guarantee you, something in heaven's name is going on. And Paul says, look, along the way to the yes, offer it up with thanksgiving. Get the spin cycle of your soul operational so that whatever comes in, you offer it up with thanksgiving. Even if it's with chaos and confusion, because remember, Not all of the psalms are happy psalms. Sometimes they're angry. Sometimes they're disappointed. Sometimes they're heartbroken. Sometimes they are just tear-stained. Sing them. Sing them. Bring them. Be being filled with the Spirit by bringing your whole life and offering it up as worship. Get the spin cycle of your soul lifting things in dependent relationship on God. Because here's, here's the deal. If you hang on to the things so that you can make sense of them, and then when you've made sense of them, offer them up, you will have wasted a lot of time. Because I guarantee you there's a whole bunch of stuff that makes no sense to you at all now and won't as long as you try and make sense of it. Here I am, I can look back 25 or 30 years at some decisions that at that time made no sense. Okay, I get it now. Here's how God has redeemed that particular situation or how that has moved itself towards love. Do you, do you know? Why, why should it be difficult with the hard things? I mean, why should it be different with the difficult things we're experiencing right now? So I want to take that difficult thing like loaves and fishes, and say, Jesus, knock yourself out. See what you can do with this. I can't do anything with it. There's not enough in here really even to just feed me. But if I offer this up to you, I don't know what you might do with it. 
but I just know it's better in your hands than mine. Do you know what I'm talking about? That disappointment, that heartbreak, that success that you think now because the biggest barrier to future success is present success, right? God's answer to prayer. Ah, Now we're stuck on that answer. Mm. No, no, offer it up, offer it up. Nothing to see here, move on. Move on. This is the, the key moment to remember that we're not able to do anything in, 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 in time unless we have learned to tell time. The trajectory of eternity is set for us by thanksgiving. And in that way, we realign ourselves to the deep reality, the deep love that is at the center of the universe. Sometimes we give thanks without knowing. Sometimes we give thanks with knowing. Sometimes we give thanks partially knowing. But I want to align myself in a dependent relationship with the God of love all the time, whether I know what I'm doing or not. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.